0: Welcome to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E, featuring your host, Dr. Deborah Egerton. In this program, we take a look at how you could begin to see how you show up in the world by looking at your Enneagram personality type, improving your relationships, and so much more. Now,
1: here is Dr. Deborah Egerton. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I don't know what time of day it is for you, but we're right around noontime here in sunny California. And I'm so excited to have you here with us again, joining me with Exploring the Enneagram. Today's guest is an amazing human being. Um, I looked high and low to find uh, a wonderful, Type 9, to come and talk with us today about her Enneagram journey. And I want her to introduce herself because I just can't say enough good things about her.
0: Oh, well, thank (laughs) you. Uh, My name is Lindsay, Lindsay Ray Torres. And I don't know what else to say. I'm a writer, director, filmmaker, actor, singer. I do all the artsy things and um i try to stop myself but i can't help it so i guess that's that's all i got
1: well that's a lot Mm -hmm. and uh the interesting thing about all those things that you do is that you do them all very well well thank you so the the writing the, the the filmmaking um you had a film project that you were working on a while back that I thought was pretty fascinating. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah,
0: um, so I just finished, um, we just started putting in, it into, um, submitting to film festivals, a, a documentary called Another Child. And it was originally called Honey Child. It was more um, sort of a um, a expose on trafficking and then moving into this one particular family. It's a mother-daughter situation where You know, the mother, the the daughter starts realizing that all the abuse that she went through as a child, sexual abuse, molestation. And then her mom started to open up to her about what she went through. And, um, you know, now, of course, we started working on this now almost seven years ago when people didn't know what sex trafficking was. Um, So now it's more about just their personal stories and how, you know, the, when the daughter started telling her story to her mom, her mom began to really open up and tell her story. And um, the mother was trafficked uh, at at 16 as a young girl and um, the molestation in her home started around age three. But interestingly enough, both the mother and daughter began being molested around three years old. Mm-hmm. and um so so much as healing has taken place and when we first when the mother first started coming forward with her story she had not told uh she hadn't told her daughter about it before ever she was about 50 years old her daughter was in her 20s and fast forward six seven years later the mother is now going to detentions and um, helping other kids who've been trafficked and she was a few years ago she was traffic 911 survivor of the year she does so much in her community now to pull people up out of abuse sex trafficking um, you know working with uh, juveniles specifically in detention centers because she can actually go to them and say I've been where you've where you've been and I've gotten out and since 99% of People who are sex trafficked, never released from that slavery. She is um, such a testimony of, of somebody who has said, I am a one percenter, you know, and this is, how, this is how I got out and you can too. And so it's such a powerful story. And um, now we just got accepted to a few film festivals already, both in Italy so far. So I'm looking forward to that, but I'm sure more will be rolling in. So we're excited. That's wonderful.
1: It is always fascinating to meet people who sit at different points on the Enneagram and to explore what they're doing in the world. And of course, you're doing some amazing, amazing work. The interesting thing for me is that uh, I hear a lot of creativity Mm -hmm. um, sort of coming out of you, a lot of creativity in your work and in your, your soul. And you are such a beautiful soul. Uh, You take things in and I can see that they touch you very deeply. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about your Enneagram journey because I have a slight suspicion that you may have made some stops along the way before you found your way to nine.
0: Yes, I absolutely did. And, um, you know, when I first started hearing about the Enneagram, I thought maybe I'm a seven, maybe I'm a two, I might be a four, you know. And, but it really interested me because I kind of read about how it's not all about putting you in a box. It's about trying to get you outside of this horrendous box that you've created for yourself.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so
0: I don't like all the personality testing that's like, this is what you are. Now live in that box for the rest of your life. You know, I, I completely disagree with that idea. And even when people talk about the Enneagram and you probably can already tell what I am because I'm going way off on tangents. But, um, you, when people talk about the Enneagram, you know, a lot of times they're like, Oh, I'm, that's such a four-ish thing. I'm such a four, you know, or I'm such a whatever. Um, but I've the whole time just been like, how do I get out of this box? (laughs) So when we moved to Fresno, um, it was a big change for me. I left like 12 years of family, friends and, friendships, community, and all those wonderful things. And I really started digging because I was so unhappy. I just started looking for something to help me get through this era of my life. And um, I did stumble across the Enneagram. And the more I learned about it, the more I liked because I was like, I need, I need, I kept hearing this sort of thing about like, well, if you're, uh, you know, if you're this number, if you move towards this number, it'll help. It'll be like a rope out of this hole that you've dug for yourself. So I was like, yes, I'm very interested in that rope. Where's the rope? I Where's need the rope. rope. But um, so I was listening to a podcast where I was, I heard a nine speaking and, um, and at this point, I still didn't know what type I was. I think at some point, I think I thought I was maybe, maybe I'm a five, maybe I'm an eight. I think at that point I thought maybe I was an eight. Um, and, but I was listening to him talk about anger and I started crying because he was saying, you know, it's all about anger for me and how I can't, uh, seem to, I don't know what to do with it. And, you know, uh, I get the like pit in your stomach feeling. And I was like, oh yes. Ding, 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 ding. ding. I <laughs> and know what
1: that feels like, <laughs> I know what
0: that feels like. And I think a lot of the things I read about nine I didn't really identify with mainly because I think when you hear about nine, you mostly hear it from a self preservation perspective. And that is just not me. Like you love to sit in and read a good book. I'm like, yeah, I do. If nothing else is going on in the world, like, no, I want to get together and I want to have a volleyball tournament every other week. And I just want to schedule trivia night. And I want to like, do all the group projects and I want to like be out there in the world and dancing and you know having a good time and um so but when I heard this guy talk about his anger and how you know when you feel anger you don't necessarily know how to channel it correctly and I've seen pictures of like steam coming out of people's heads on the nine but I just don't I wish that steam would come out of my head, right. because I feel like when I'm angry, I feel like I don't have the, the normal human response to anger. Right. And like one thing happened once with me and one of my really good friends and, um, and she had said something very hurtful to me. And I just remember walking around the house and I was, and yes, I was angry and little things would just kind of set me off, but I wouldn't pop off to other people. I would just be like, there was just like an engine that was constantly rotating. And um, I didn't know how angry I was until I sat down with my husband and I told him what had happened. And I just started weeping, like just can couldn't stop weeping for three hours. And that doesn't seem like a normal response to anger. The normal response is when somebody hurts you, you say, you, you, to handle it healthily. you say, like, hey, you hurt me, or I'm angry with you because blah, 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 blah. It's not to take it and then internalize it and then beat yourself up about it. And then eventually, a week and a half later, realize, like, why, what was fueling your anger? And then once you weep about it, you're okay, you know. know,
1: It's very interesting because my experience of nines has been, I think of them as volcanoes Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, how long a volcano can lie dormant. Mm -hmm. But that lava, you know, is inside and it's churning. Mm -hmm. And uh, eights, when they get that anger out of them, they feel better. Yeah. However, for nines, when that anger comes out, sometimes it's not a good feeling yeah. because if you're peace loving mm-hmm. and you find yourself in this really angry, uncomfortable space, you end up being almost the antithesis of what you really don't want to be. Yeah. You know, you, you're uncomfortable with the anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I do see that happens sometimes with, with nines, and I'm curious if you've had this experience, is that in order to get back to peace, you'll take a short-term resolution that sometimes hurts you in the long run.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what does
1: that look like for you? Um,
0: Usually it looks like apologizing to everybody for my anger, for my outbursts. And everyone usually says, oh, I didn't know you were angry. And I'm like, oh, I was very angry. I was very upset. (laughs) Um, You know, and like... uh, you know, um, because it would come out in a way that doesn't look like anger, it looks like something else. And I know sometimes they say, they talk about passive aggressiveness. And it's really hard for me to see when I am passive aggressive, because usually, I'm trying to fix it, instead of trying to hurt somebody else. And to me, like the whole thing about passive aggressiveness is like, I'm trying to hurt you, but pretend like I'm trying to help you or trying to control or manipulate. And so for me, there's nothing in me that really wants to control and manipulate people. That's the opposite of what I want to do. But, but I, I could see how some of the things come out where it looks like I'm trying to be passive aggressive. But the fact is that I'm just trying to fix my own actions because I'm not okay with what I did.
1: Right. Well, sometimes the, the whole process of being passive aggressive is not right there on a conscious level. It's a very right. subconscious Absolutely. Thing. And um, I would say that the passive aggressive stance in a nine shows up when your no doesn't really mean no and your yeah. yes doesn't really mean yes right so uh, a good example of that would be uh, my husband loves football mm-hmm. and he happens to be a nine mm-hmm. and i am just the farthest thing away from a sports person that you could yeah. ever possibly find yeah. so
0: well we can get our husbands together yes it's a
1: good idea <laughs> <laughs> we'll go i know football <laughs> yeah but you know I, I, I honestly sometimes don't know when these important games are, you know, mm-hmm. the Rose Bowl or the, the Super Bowl. I know Super Bowl because right. of the commercials. I like to watch those.
0: But all of the bowls leading uh, up to them. All the bowls <laughs>
1: leading up to it, I have no clue. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we'll, we'll go to church on Sunday morning, and I will look at him and say, let's go to brunch, and then let's do a little shopping, yeah. and it's Rose Bowl or something. right? Uh, because he loves me he'll say, okay. Mm -hmm. And then I'm kind of dragging him along behind me. There's not a whole lot of energy in this uh, sort of communication that we're having or what we're trying to do or where we're going. Uh There's very little joy that's going on. And I'll find out later the Rose Bowl was on or whatever. Uh Um, Rather than say to me, look, Go call Lindsay and you guys go have lunch (laughs) and go shopping. I'm going home to see the Rose Bowl. So it's it's saying yes to me Mm -hmm. because that's a a short-term opportunity to not have a conflict be created. But the yes is not authentic Mm -hmm. because it's not what he wants to do. And so that's where that passive-aggressive behavior comes in. And if you're the person that's on the receiving end of that, you're acutely aware that you are now in the zone of the passive-aggressive behavior. But as you explained so beautifully, what you're doing on your side of it is you're trying to fix it. You're trying to make it all right. You're trying to go along with whatever is going to make that person happy. Yeah. So it's really interesting how we get into these situations where, uh, you know, for a nine, it's about being passive aggressive and you feel like I'm not being passive aggressive. I'm trying to just fix this. Yeah. I'm trying to say yes, because I know that'll make you
0: happy. Or even, yeah. Um, I don't care that badly. So let's just do what you want to do. Exactly. That's, you know, I think it took me a few years dating and then, even being married, you know, for a while, probably like three years into our relationship is when I really realized like that it irritates my husband so badly when I say something like, um, what do you want to eat for dinner? And then it becomes a whole ordeal because if I said like, does pizza burgers sound good? Then he's like, well, you said you wanted pizza. I'm like, I don't care. I don't, I don't know what I want. So just you pick, you know? And uh, we would go back and forth because in my mind, it took me forever to realize that, that in my mind, I think, well, I'm showing you that I love you by going with what you want. Like, that's how I can show you that I love you because I was raised that way. And every, when I was, I was raised in a crowd of people and, you know, that's, that was my way of being like, Oh, let's just do what you want to do because I love you more than "I love going to get pizza." And so that's always been like, a, "Well, I love you way more than pizza." you know But at the same time, um, I think it can really, if you're with the right person and they're not manipulative or controlling, it can really annoy them, <laughs> because you're just non-committal. Which I think I also have a good example too is um, Cause I think it comes down to partially also being noncommittal and like uh, it took a while for my husband to realize, like, if I said we can do something or like I could go to the grocery store today, he would come home and be like, I thought you said you went to the grocery store. And I was like, no, I said I could do that. I didn't, you know? So I think there's a lot of, if you're dealing with a nine, you have to watch what they say because like assure. sure that is not a yes. Right. That and is correct. I a, I could do something today does not mean that it actually took place. And too many options. So many it's options. Very confusing. It's very frustrating. Very... Yeah. And, and I have, you know, I have a sister who would take eons to order anything off of a menu. And I always thought, like, I'm not that bad. I'm not near as bad as her because she was so slow that I would compare myself with her to as far as, like, deciding what she wanted and but at the same time I uh have become to realize like oh no I really it's something I have to really work hard to know what I want which is one of the most frustrating things and maybe could be why you know today I feel like I'm sort of a jack of all trades because so many times in life people said oh, can you do this for me? And so I say, I put aside whatever I'm doing. I'm like, yes, I can help you plan your wedding. Yes, I can help you do this. Yes, I can help you write this project, even though I hate, I despise writing with a passion.
1: Accommodating, accommodating. Very accommodating
0: mm -hmm. to the point where I I very much frustrate myself because I do have dreams. I do have things that I want to do. And, um, and I just keep getting older and older and I don't see those things coming to pass. I don't, it's not even about not seeing it come to pass. I don't know how to make those things come to pass. But when, if you called me up and you asked me for my advice about production, or you asked me my advice, send me something that you're working on, I will in a minute, like read everything you give me, give you really great advice, but I don't know how to give myself the same advice, if that makes sense.
1: Well, it does make sense because one of the things that we're acutely aware of uh, when you, you know, sit at that nine spot on the Enneagram, uh, there is sort of a phenomenon called getting lost to yourself Mm -hmm. so you're so acutely aware of everyone else's desires and you're very accommodating and if someone approaches you you're going to sort of lean in and do whatever needs to be done but when it comes to really focusing on what your own wants dreams and desires are it's almost like you've given away all your energy yeah, you've given it out to everyone else. Absolutely. You know, and and sometimes nines and twos can be can they can mistype based on twos will also mm-hmm. give out everything that they have and get exhausted. Uh however with the nine it has a different feel to it because of one of the ways I help people distinguish between nine and two is that twos actually move towards people. Um And move towards them more in a way of, if you need help, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. Not all of the the types, the subtypes, different, vary in the ways that they show up. But a nine leans more back. However, if approached, will accommodate. Mm -hmm. And so it's difficult for nines to sometimes say no if they're approached, if someone asks for their advice or Mm -hmm. their help. And that's how nines minimize conflict by saying yes, when sometimes they need to say, no, yeah, I can't do that for you, because I'm on a deadline on a project that I have to complete.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I'll have to get back to you after this is completed. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's, you're leaning back, and you're trying to guard your space as much as you possibly can. But let's face it, we live in a world where people's boundaries are sometimes not existent uh-huh. and so some people have no problem coming to you and asking for something and asking for help or advice or whatever they feel they may need and the boundaries of the nine are not so great when it comes to that and that's how you kind of lose yourself um in other people's stuff yeah helping other people helping them giving them advice being there for them i can i can share with you just as a coach in the workplace how sometimes when i'm coaching a nine i will find out that all of their time gets chewed up by allowing people to come in and talk to them and vent mm. and then the i oh
0: we're very good listeners <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah
1: I, I can't imagine what the home life is like after
0: well, listened to <laughs> I'm married to a five, so when he actually tells me how he's feeling I'm like, Give me more, please. <laughs> please. So I'm I, like, Oh the, the cork is been open, please tell me. Yes, and, I never and know what you're thinking
1: or feeling. But sometimes that works very well with a five. Once yeah. you get the, the cork oh, out yeah. of the bottle, you know, you'll get a wealth of information. I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's knowing
0: how to do that yeah well i need to
1: learn <laughs> so that that will be a, a good thing we'll, we'll be looking at the five pretty soon yeah.
0: so I'm, I'm gonna have to listen, listen
1: to that one i'll clue sure. in that so Lindsay, operating in the world as a nine what do you think your greatest strength what what, what really is something that you know that you kind of you move to the world with this strength and you feel really good about it. Um,
0: that is a really tough question. As like a nine, asking. Uh, I guess I do think that the strength, one strength that I have is um, it's kind of dual part, but there is, I really identified with that, like, Extremely stubborn beneath it all. Mm-hmm. And um, part of that stubbornness is like a stubbornness to not control or manipulate people, to let them do whatever they want. And um, a lot of times, you know, whether I've known, whether I've been aware of the Enneagram or awake or not, that's always been something that. Um, I even prided myself on. I would say just because I was raised and I was around a lot of controlling, not not always on the. And I I, I hate to say control. I I was raised by controlling or manipulative people. That's not exactly what I'm saying, but especially when you're raised in a religious environment, the the judgmentalism is always so strong and i feel like i've always felt like i could talk to anybody and not come across as being judgmental because i honestly don't care and i feel like i really just want what's best for you you know and i would never say like oh i really just want what's best for you so keep stay on those drugs those are probably best for you but i will be able to sit down and listen to anybody like a friend and And hear them out without, at least at this part of my life, without offering them unsolicited advice, but just be there in a space and listen and say, I'm so sorry you're going through that, you know? And so maybe, maybe that also comes around to being a good listener too, but, um, you know, I feel like, I feel like between, um, I feel like that gifting has allowed me to enter other worlds that I wasn't raised in and, and, and see people's hearts and not just see the drugs or just see the things that they're doing or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, um, to be, to be able to sort of like peel back the layers and actually be able to see people. Uh, right. If that makes sense.
1: Right. Oh, It makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, in order to, really be able to peel back the layers and see people you have to be awake yeah you know you have to be present and it takes work to be present and awake and aware um and really to sit and hold a space with someone mm-hmm. nines have a beautiful way of doing that when you know when present uh the challenge sometimes for nines is remaining present mm. so what's yeah. your practice how do you how do you Wake yourself up.
0: Um, uh, I do a lot of yoga and meditation has really helped for me. And uh, assist that also with prayer. And, um, you know, I started actually working on getting my certification, yoga certification, because um, mostly just because I wanted to learn more about it for my own self, because I remember... As much as I don't enjoy writing, I do think I'm good at it. And I have to, it's not that I don't enjoy it. I have to get over that hump of like, you know, you can do this to be able to sit down and concentrate to that level. And I see all these things in my head and in order to funnel them into existence takes just a lot for me probably what that's what it is. It takes a lot of energy. And because it's something that is in my heart, then it takes my energy. So that is like one of the most burning things, difficult things for me to do sometimes. But um, I was remembering back to, you know, when was I the most prolific? Oh, it was when I was doing yoga every single day. Right. And I think whatever it is, you know, I do like yoga in that it doesn't teach one religion. It just kind of says, like, whoever you think of as God or whatever you see as a higher power, move, help yourself find a center and move into that space. Right. Align your centers oh, and move yeah. into that space. Correct. And, um, and it takes your whole spirit, soul, and body to do it, and it helps you just get into that alignment. And so sometimes for me... That awakeness is really, um, you know, again, I didn't identify with a lot of the 90s stuff right off. So I was like, oh, there's no way. Like the first time I read about nine, because it was all about being asleep to yourself and the sloth. And I was like, I am, you know, I even (laughs) read, I think it was uh, in Beatrice's, you know, the Enneagrams with the subtypes because I'm a social nine. And it was like, you're a workaholic. And I said, ding, 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 you know? (laughs) So I didn't identify with the sloth because if I get on a project, you can't stop me, you know? And I probably, especially in my 20s, annoyed a lot of people when I was writing or directing because I probably called them at inappropriate hours and was like, why aren't you working? You know, why aren't you thinking about our project 24-7? That's what I'm doing, you know? And in the same Token, I probably was very easily misused and by other people because I allowed myself to, you know, to work so much on their dreams
1: and their behalf,
0: you know, and now my whole thing is like if you don't care more about your project than I do. Forget about it. <laughs> I am not working ten hours when you're working two.
1: Because I'm not going to pick you up and carry you up the mountain. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Um, unless I will work ten hours and you work two if you're paying me correctly. But that's still such a just trying to allow myself to be paid correctly is still such a journey for me. So it's something I'm working through all of the self-worth things. Right. (laughs) Well, you
1: know, we're all a work in progress. It is a journey. I find myself defending nines quite a bit uh, because that, you know, sort of stereotype that Mm -hmm. gets laid on the nine about being lazy.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I have met very few lazy nines. Uh, however, I have met nines who have lost their, they've forgotten themselves. Mm, yeah, um, and they've gotten sure. sort of lost in the needs and desires and agenda of other people. Mm-hmm. And so the whole concept of presence is so important. And eight, nine, and one are all body types. Mm-hmm. So we're all in the gut center and at the the end of the day, if a nine doesn't get into their bodies, I mean, all of us have to do that. Yeah. But it's really important for nines. Um, I know that sometimes running or swimming or yeah. cycling, but when a nine can get into their body, uh, this is when they get clarity of mind. And they seem to be able to, to think better or mm-hmm. to be able to get the energy back to accomplish their task and get back on their own agenda. I'm curious, now you are a social nine. Do you resonate at all with the, um, having a routine? I think
0: I don't like routine, Mm -hmm. but I think um, the times I felt the healthiest and the most productive routine is my friend. So I'm old enough to know that like, I can get a lot done if there's a routine, and that if there's not a routine, I can just continually push my own due dates, and just like, I can work on that later, I can, you know, but if you call me up, and you say, Hey, uh, I need, I need this done by a certain date, I'm on it. So, you know, um, I've even had times in my life where I went out and got a part time job, because or a full-time job even, because I knew that I wouldn't wouldn't be able to work on something by myself and get it done. I knew I needed a routine. And then to be able to fit in the other personal things that I wanted to do, it's a lot easier for me to fit those into my life than to sit around and never get them done.
1: Exactly.
0: So that sounds stupid, but it it actually works. It works. Sadly. Well, you know,
1: it's a wonderful thing when you can recognize the things that actually work for you and the things that are not working for you. Mm-hmm. So some uh, sometimes that routine is something that keeps them going, mm-hmm. you know, keeps them uh, functioning and it allows them to, you know, my husband's a runner he'll get up in the morning and run and Mm -hmm. he has always said that that's the best time of the day for him because it clears his mind yeah the challenge is not getting so dependent on a routine that you lose all flexibility Uh, so it's that's not a challenge never had that
0: challenge um sometimes i've gotten so into a routine but then it takes me about nine months to nine months to a year and I get frustrated and if it's not something that's like bringing life to me like the full-time job or that's something that's bringing that is a creative outlet um I I'm gone (laughs) it doesn't take long for me to you know to um to get out of a space that is not bringing me life or uh but I do love, I do love routine, especially if it is getting together with the girls or
1: the third Friday of every month, the third Friday right? of every month
0: <laughs> or a writing group that meets or, uh, and I, and I've, I've all at other times, I've built those into my life because they are life to me and I need them. And if I didn't have those routines, if I didn't have those meetings, um, they are, they are like, whether it's the writing group or like something like a writing group every week is a point of interest to me where I know that I can be creative. And I know that I can have that creative outlet once a week. If nothing else I do, if I'm working at a grocery store and I know I at least have one creative outlet per week, that's life, you know? So, um, I think especially when uh, because I am social, especially when it has people involved, then that even, that is even more helpful. And so I'm like, if I find the right group, like you can't get rid of me, like good luck getting rid of me. (laughs) If I find the right community group or the right artistic outlet, any sort of thing, you know, because uh, I'm, I would say, in that regard, I can be very, very loyal. Well,
1: oh, that's a lovely thing, and I'm very happy to hear that because I consider you to be part of my, my team, my well, good, tribe, well, my crew. <laughs>
0: good luck trying to get rid of me now.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. So let's talk about the one thing that we know that nines can pretty much agree on, and mm-hmm. that's conflict.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, how do you navigate conflict as a nine? Well,
0: it's interesting because when I first read about the nines in conflict, I thought, that's not me. There's no way, you know. But then I read to somewhere, you know, to think back to ha- who you were at 18. And then I thought, I-, I remember one thing happened to me in college. I was a freshman in college. And basically, I lost my best friend because I didn't know how to – have a healthy conversation to have a DTR. And the defining the relationship, if you don't know what that is. Yes, that's what we used to call it. I don't know if it's still called the same thing. But um, I lost my best friend. And, um, and I just, for months rehearsed that conflict in the shower. Anytime I stopped that conflict, I would rehearse it. And I would you know, think about, you know, all the things you would have said, I bet nines, we probably have the worst shower conversations and take the longest (laughs) showers. Well, no, just because you're like, you know, you, that's the moment where you're standing around and you're thinking, especially back then, you know, and you're like, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that, you know, um,
1: I'm gonna change the whole name of the show, Doctor E's Shower
0: Conversations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> conversations in the shower. Uh, that could go a different way, but um, but yeah, those things that those things that you rehearse in your mind that are like, oh, this is how I should have handled it, and I handled it incorrectly, and I remember making that right turn and being like, I am gonna love con- conflict, and so from that moment, I kind of moved outside my body a little bit and probably towards the eight wing to where now I'm super awkward, still about conflict, but I like handle it, which is probably it's better, but it's not good. (laughs) So when it comes time for me to get to have conflict with somebody, I still get the like sweaty palms and I'm even in a work situation, I don't think I, I don't think I go to rage or anything, but, but, but you can tell I'm extremely uncomfortable with the conflict because I feel like I'll just like try to take all the things that are inside of me and just play them on the table. <laughs> I'm like, what do you think about that? <laughs> you know? Right. And, um, and that could be like in a work, that could be in a work meeting um, where I've disagreed about like where we're going to shoot like a shooting location. Um, so it, it, uh, it can come out, it can come out just very awkward and weird. And I'll, I'll probably raise my voice some, but, uh, uh, because I start talking passionately. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of a, been a a right turn for me, but at the same time, it's, I'm I'm definitely not there yet because, uh, especially like in marriage, there's things that I just don't know how to bring up. I don't know how to say to my husband. And that, that is like the most frustrating thing.
1: No, that's the most common thing. <laughs> I'm sure. <You> know, uh, <laughs> Frustrating because it happens every day. <laughs> exactly, and and actually, the more you sort of travel this road mm-hmm. um, and understand that nine space and the nine energy, it is the people that are closest to you that it's most difficult to have the conflict with.
0: Oh, absolutely. So
1: you know when you when you made that hard right turn, you took a lesson with you because you lost something that was very valuable and precious to you, Mm a best friend. And that had to be a really difficult conflict to have gone through and to have lost uh, as a result of not being, knowing how to handle it. Uh, The challenge remains within your sort of interpersonal relationships, your close relationships, Mm -hmm. those people that are really close around your heart and that is one of the things, you know, it's kind of connected to that core motivation of the mm-hmm. nine to, to have peace and to be at peace and to sort of have harmony all around you, particularly mm-hmm. with your loved ones. So I have seen nines mediate conflict magnificently
0: mm-hmm.
1: when they don't have something personal at yeah. stake.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Absolutely.
1: So a nine can clear the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and can absolutely stand their ground and negotiate what needs to be negotiated for. And, you know, the, there's a beautiful thing about minds when they're healthy because they'll lose their own personal agenda, or they don't even enter with a personal
0: agenda. Oh, yeah. I would say that that's the case. <laughs>
1: yeah, trying to get to peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but conflict with a loved one, uh, that can cause a lot of pain. yeah. So that's, that is work to continue to do. Well,
0: and I think I even said this when I was uh, younger, like in high school at some point, um, I remember I uh, was talking about my sister and I was like, she just lets anybody in and I don't understand her. Mm -hmm. I was like, for me, if you're really close to me, you can do whatever you want. Like you can do whatever, you can tell me to do whatever you want, but I it takes a lot for me to let you in. So I try to keep people at bay as long as possible. But then if you come into my life somehow, and you get through all of my levels of all of my barriers, then, then you can control me, basically. And I mean, that was my perspective, an unhealthy one, granted, right at Very much so. mm-hmm. 17, 18. So now I have learned to work on that to try to, instead of, you know, keeping, uh, trying to keep people at bay, instead of having good boundaries, you know, having good personal boundaries where, you know, yes, you still let the right one in, but somehow through the years, I've let the wrong one in. I have let the wrong people slip through and I have found out the really hard way what happens when a manipulative, controlling person, you know, narcissistic personality wants to control me. And it is the most painful experiences of my life. So that I would never suggest for anybody.
1: Well, yeah, that's not a lesson that you want to learn the hard way.
0: No, it's not. It's definitely not.
1: And for for our listeners, I would say to pay attention to that, uh, whether you occupy the nine space of the Enneagram or uh, any of the other Enneagram types of energies that you know we can bring in, uh, to be controlled and to be manipulated mm-hmm. is not something that is ever healthy for any human being,
0: yeah. and
1: it does not lead to anything good. Uh, the choices that we have to make in life are our own to make, mm-hmm. and when we are manipulated, we are usually not making good choices. Yeah. So I would say that a uh, cautionary tale uh, might be a little easier for a nine to be manipulated um, because of the accommodation. Uh, wanting to, of course, uh, not create the conflict. Mm-hmm. And so going along with something just to keep from creating any kind of conflict. Yeah. And if, if nines that are listening can wake up to that and remember the, the phrase that I say so often, you have to stand in your own truth, yeah. not anyone else's.
0: Yeah, and I would just add to that, the sooner you can wake up, the better. Because, um, and I think it comes back to that underlying extreme stubbornness, you know, all the while being in... Um, having to go through any sort of abusive relationship or manipulative relationship. Um, all the while, I think as a nine, I saw the red flags and I know I'm not, I'm not as stupid as I look, but you, you don't. don't look stupid. <laughs> you. Well, no, but you just, there are so many opportunities for you to speak up for yourself and right. you don't. And you're, and you know, for me, in this one thing that happened to me, it was uh, also spiritually abusive as well as physically abusive. And I, um, but, but there was a 10%, there was always somewhere between it, two and 10% that said, maybe I'm crazy, you know, and, and the, and usually at least 90% of me was like, hello, hello, this is, wrong. this is crazy. That person's crazy. Right. They're doing some wrong things and wake up. Mm. But um, there's so much admitting that has to take place. There's, and the most hurtful one of all would be to admit that you had been betrayed, right. to admit that you have allowed somebody to use you because I think that stubborn streak wants to think like, no, I'm making my own choices when the truth of the matter is you're not. And, um, and I think, you know, going through a lot of that has allowed me to become more awake to myself. And as much as I would never want anybody to go through that, I would say, you know, it probably the greatest thing it did for me is it did help me find my voice um it helped me to remind myself to speak up and to not continue it, and to swim upstream if i needed to to not like stay on board a boat that was heading towards the whatever the right. the, waterfall. <laughs> the waterfall the, the waterfall iceberg. the iceberg, iceberg. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to say the Titanic: yeah it. Don't, don't stay aboard, you know. Well, you
1: know, yeah. I love that you're, you're bringing that up because this is one of the ways that knowing your personality type, understanding the, mm-hmm. the archetype that really is so connected to the way that you move through the world, if you can look at that and recognize your strengths mm-hmm. and then those areas where you're challenged when I think of how many people have been taken advantage of, because they really didn't know themselves well enough to even know they were being taken advantage of. Oh, yeah. And so this is one of the places where, you know, when you study the Enneagram and you learn a little bit more Mm -hmm. about what seems to just come naturally to you, you know, what your personality is doing. Mm -hmm. And for a while, the personality structure serves us well. Yeah, Because you cannot show up in the world without something. You have to have mm-hmm. a personality structure to operate from. Unfortunately, you can get trapped in that. Yeah, And with some of the areas that we end up getting trapped in, we can do a lot of harm to ourselves. And then we perpetuate the harm by doing harm to other people. Yeah, And if you understand the way that your substrate sort of moves you know what is likely to you're likely to pull in what Mm -hmm. you seem to attract or what you're even pushing away based on your your enneagram style Uh, life could be very different yeah you know it could be a lot healthier and a lot of mistakes or pain or uh, circumstances that cause painful outcomes can actually be averted. You don't have to go down that path, mm-hmm. but you know, within youth, uh, we're all going to learn some lessons, the hard For way, sure. but we don't have to keep repeating those lessons yeah. over and over again.
0: One, I think, I think sometimes, you know, I felt this way too. is like, why, why am I going around the same mountain over and over and it's, different person or it's a different work situation but it's the same thing the same lesson and it's the same lesson and the best we can do is just make sure that if we're going around the same mountain we're climbing we're still going up up. to the top that way we can eventually look down and be like oh i know where i'm at i can walk down this mountain and continue with my with my life but i think it's so interesting what you said about um you know uh what these things can be for us and you know, the personality I've heard it talked about, like a lot of times it's, it's just a survival skill. Correct. You know, it's, it's something that you um, have done to survive. And for me, some of these, um, I wouldn't even call myself a people pleaser, but sometimes the laying down, the laying down my wants, my needs was a survival skill. And, um, but we don't want to live our lives as survivors. No. We want to thrive.
1: Exactly. And
0: so, in order for me to thrive, I have to pick up my wants and not put them down for anybody else. Exactly. And so, learning how to do that, learning how to say no and not like, I don't think so, or not right now, or whatever maybe later. Want. Yeah, whatever you whatever want. You want. You oh, choose. yeah. You choose. Those are definitely happening too. But even to just say the word no when you're saying like, maybe later, not right now, sort of the non-committal things. Um, It took, it's taken me years. I'm still working through a super solid no, you know, And, and I guess I'll just keep going up that mountain until well, I, 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 like that visual.
1: I love the visual. I see you going up that mountain in that circular motion yeah. and that's fine, but you're going up. I'm uh, going no? up. Yes. So
0: eventually, you know, I, I, I do pray that I'll get there and, um, and, and I just encourage anybody else who is dealing with the nine thing or, or whatever their personality issue seems to be, is that there is, at the end of the tunnel and um, I guess keep going up because you are actually getting somewhere and that's how I feel is that that's how I feel that's the wisdom I feel like that the Enneagram brought me is that you can actually get somewhere it's not um, it's a journey it's not a destination (laughs) but you know Uh, keep moving when you keep moving in the correct direction I think uh, eventually I will be able to see the the dreams the goals that I've had on the inside of me the things that I want to accomplish the stories that I want to tell as a filmmaker I will see those come to pass because I am not putting them down for other people's projects you know or living my life on uh, in the arena of, I'll work on my own stuff when I, when I have the time. You know, prioritizing that. So, right.
1: well, Lindsay, it's been just a delight talking to you, and I know that we're going to see some of those projects actually come to pass because you are just an incredible, incredible young woman with so much talent and ability and you are going to create things that are going to matter and are going to change the world. And I know for sure that when that happens, that I'll be sitting right on the front row, applauding loudly. Please do. You know I will. (laughs) And that uh, I'm always here for you to talk about anything. And I love that you're climbing up the mountain. Because I said to my daughter a few weeks ago, I said, all right, little one, you've got the folks right there at the base of the mountain because your mom's going up now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, so if you're working with the ones at the base of the mountain, just point them up because yeah. I'm, I'm on that mountain with them. But mm-hmm. we're climbing, you know, we're climbing we're trying to get to the, the summit maybe or beyond because we don't know how long that how high up that mountain happens to (laughs) go and it may go straight up to heaven that's a lovely thing sure but the thing we all know is that it's never too late to start on the journey Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: that life is about the journey
0: yeah
1: it's not the destination yeah thanks for being with us today
0: thank you okay
1: bye and i'll talk to you all next week
0: Thank you for listening to exploring the enneagram with dr e please join dr deborah egerton again next thursday at 3 p.m pacific time and 6 p.m eastern time
1: on the voice america empowerment channel have a good week